0: Welcome to the Saints of San Francisco podcast, where we dive into work, faith, and fulfillment. This is a podcast for the modern Christian professional. I'm your host, Isaac Hall. Welcome, Saints, to episode... I believe this is 13 or 14. I don't even know. Things are going really quickly. Uh, I can't even say post pandemic because 2021 we're still coming out with a bunch of vaccines. Um, But with that said, we're doing a non series uh, episode back to what we did uh, prior to this year. Uh, But Saints of San Francisco, welcome back. You guys are in for a treat. I mean, honestly, we're just shooting the shit. First time cursing uh, on air, but I I think that this is the turn of the century in terms of what we're going for with Saints of SF. So I'll introduce my guests for today. It's pretty ad hoc, but uh, we have Kevin Libertino in the house. Uh, Kevin's been on Saints uh, before, so we're glad to have him on again. Um, And him just bringing in his two cents. And he'll be leaving San Francisco soon as well. Uh, So it's glad to have him here in person, in the flesh. And then a new guest, originally in San Francisco for quite some time. Just, I believe, was it like four or five years? Five years? For about four years now. Yeah, Four years. Mm -hmm. And then you left and you moved back to Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, sir. And how long has that been? I
1: moved officially around June. So it's been about eight months now. Cool, yeah. cool,
0: cool. Awesome. So we have Kevin Libertino and Justin Klopp in the house. Yeah, yeah. yeah so Glad Kevin, on here, man. Mm-hmm. Cool. Can you do a short intro?
2: Kev? Yeah, I'll make it really quick. Um, I'm Kevin Libertino. I've been in the Bay for about seven years. Um, I do design and tech, and I shoot photography on the side. Um, that's about it with my life right now. <laughs>
0: Man, <laughs> yeah, you're leaving to ohio in, and uh,
2: I, I am yeah i'm from ohio um so i am returning back home just to deal with some like family emergencies and cool, cool. you know save some money switch it up a bit um so it'll be a good trip for sure awesome the next couple of weeks
0: we're gonna miss you man
2: dude yeah I'm gonna miss you guys and yeah, we're losing so many memories more. here
0: <laughs> yeah well thank you for that intro kev and now justin Kwan. do you want to let the listeners know what you're about.
1: Yeah, a uh, really quick intro. So my name is Justin. I know these two, obviously, through 99, uh, which is a church that we all went to. And uh, originally from Dallas, Texas, born and raised. I moved to Atlanta, Georgia for high school. And then actually after high school, I actually moved to San Francisco to work. Um, same thing as Kevin does as a product center. I work for this company called Dropbox. I was here for four years. That's where you know I was at uh, for San Francisco. And then I recently moved back to Atlanta. And I'm just back here visiting um, my good old friends. So, um, yeah.
0: Cool, cool, cool. Sweet. Awesome. Justin, glad to have you here, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to catch you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're making a short trip to San Francisco before you go to L.A. Yep. Uh, but before we get into the meat of things and actually go down to uh, the topic that we want to discuss, I honestly think you know having both of you guys here is very coincidental, but it's also good. I feel like, especially in the Asian American community, the big thing right now, or was, maybe it, it's changed in the past couple of years, was get a good SAT score, do a bunch of extracurriculars, um, get a good GPA, and then you go to a four-year school. Yep. Hopefully, IV because your yes, you know, Korean parents want you to do so, and then you you know get a good job in law, finance, engineering, or consulting, or something of that nature and then you know the you know the world is your oyster but but now we know in in 2021 there's been a lot of successful people who didn't take the traditional route and in fact a lot of people should not be taking the traditional route to get to where they want to be to kind of achieve their destiny and i know that both of you guys had a non-traditional route so i was thinking Uh, as someone who went through the traditional route and actually went to grad school and decided to make a complete career pivot at the ripe old age of 29 I thought thought both of you guys could give I mean both of you guys are relatively young and done your thing the non-traditional route so I would love the listeners to kind of like uh, hear about both of your uh, guys' experiences in the professional world post high school yeah
2: yeah, I, I guess I could start. Um, I'll start, like, it started in high school. Uh, I, my, my mom enrolled me into, like, a college prep high school um, called Columbus Alternative High. And it, it wasn't a high school that I wanted to go to. I wanted to go to Whetstone, which was, like, the party school. Oh, yeah. They had, you know, they had sports. They had homecoming. Columbus <coughs> Alternative didn't. We didn't have any sports. We didn't have homecoming. Uh, we had a chess team that was, like, the joke of our, you know, that was our sports team, was our chess team, and we ranked, like, top five in the nation for the last five years or so, um, but, like, honestly, I had this rebellious spirit ever since I got into high school, Where just like, I'm in a really good place academically, but it's not where I want to be, so, like, I'm just going to try to coast through and get through this, you know, go through the motions, and and that kind of mentality kind of seeped into college, so I think... I graduated with my associates, but I, I like didn't specialize in anything. I didn't major in anything. I just got my associates in arts. And I got to a point in my life where I was like, well, what do I do now? Like, um, I could go to OSU and I could study something, but I still didn't know. So there was this always like unknown factor in my life where I was seeking to find something that stuck to, out to me, you know, like that I wanted to gravitate towards, and it, it never really, like, really occurred to me until I moved to SF, um, and I just started dabbling around in different industries like quality assurance, mm. um, IT, and then design, um, and, and some admin work too, and I've been around the block, I've mentioned this before, where I've like driven for Uber and Amazon in the past just to make ends meet, and like did DoorDash, and worked in restaurants, and like I've been around, but Damn. like... <laughs> Um, it it didn't hit me until like I started a boot camp in design at General Assembly Um, this was like back in 2016 and making that decision was crucial for me because I felt like I needed to just catch up to my peers in sense of like getting a career down right yeah laying down some tracks and some getting some traction in terms of like what I want to do with my life professionally Um, so my entry into tech was kind of you know taking the, um, it it hasn't always been through college. Um, So I was always looking for ways to break into tech without having to go through a four-year degree. Um, I had my reasons then, but like now it's just like, I think it paid off, it definitely paid off because I'm still working um, and I've had the awesome experience to work with amazing teams and industries. um, And I didn't have a four-year degree. A lot of my coworkers, they have their masters, um, they have their four years, and and that's not the case for for I feel like design, you know, um, so I think Isaac, you're kind of talking about like we want to just share our experience and like how we got into here, and and how we're kind of doing now. Um, I feel like in today's age, we don't really need to go to a four year degree if you unless you really want to specialize in something um there are many resources online and boot camps that you can participate in um and there are just many resources out there that you can just find what you want and try to build a career around that but i could continue to go into it let me know (laughs) cool (laughs) there's so much in my head
0: (laughs) yeah thanks for your two cents kevin and i think that's One of the reasons why, well, not one of the reasons why, but a a very good factor of why it was good to have you on last time, because especially people on the West Coast, I mean, at least for me, like growing up in Southern California, we don't know anything outside of California. Mm. (laughs) If anything, maybe like, oh, Mardi Gras and NOLA for fun, and then like Chicago and New York. But otherwise, you know, we're so insulated and we're so stuck with the structure of our predecessors that it's hard to like get out of that so it was very refreshing to have you on and and so thank you so much for giving your two cents but yeah um
2: i could go deeper but (laughs) yeah there's just like a lot behind it This because i I don't want to like stray people into think that you know you don't need a four-year degree to get to where you want to be like that's i'm all for that like i'm currently enrolled at sf state like i made the decision to come back um, but as I came back, I realized like, I actually don't want to go with this. Like I'm okay yeah. with just building experience in the industry yeah, like, yeah the field yeah. of work. And, um, that just, that's what's working for me, you know? So everyone's different. Um, if you can get the education, like just find a way to get that. Awesome. Yeah.
0: So the thing I'm getting is, you know, sometimes some people need a four year degree. Like some people some need, need structure. a structure. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of people don't and it's just like based on self awareness. But but it's I think I think the main theme is like don't allow traditions of the past to hinder you from achieving your fullest potential because your path might be substantially different from someone else's. So uh Justin, so you're you're a very unique character because I think when I first met you, I, I didn't think I was just like
1: because you hired Jay when Jay Got out of design school. Well, I, I referred Jay. But <laughs> referred? <laughs> sure. Referred, yes. I referred, not hired.
2: Yes, same,
0: correct. Same, sure. Same thing. But then you, you know, grew up in Dallas, Texas, moved over to uh, Georgia, and did high school there, and then you are just like, F it, you know, I'm not going to, go. you, you know, you, you come from a Korean-American background, and right. you're like, F it, I'm not going to school. And then you ended up working for a tech company Mm -hmm. in product design uh, as well without that formal education so could you like speak a little bit about um, that path and how you got to where you are now
1: yeah i'm so like i said uh like isaac said um i grew up in dallas texas and you know back then i just had a fairly normal childhood until uh due to my parents sort of uh working situation i moved to atlanta georgia so i went to a brand new high school you know i didn't really know anyone there and uh, to be honest, I think that's what started sort of my career towards design, partially because my mother's an art teacher, so mm. I sort of always have that creative side sort of from her. So I've always been interested in creativity, sort of around the arts and design, and back, back then I was also very, very interested in technology, so that's why I think the intersection of creativity and technology sort of naturally led me towards stuff around like what I'm doing for what we're living now, which is product design and website design. So... Back then, you know, in ninth grade, high school, that's when people are like, you know what, I'm going to work for McDonald's. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting like uh, jobs now. And then I thought to myself, I can also do that or I can try to sort of leverage what I'm learning now around design and try to sort of also just kind of work on the side and see what happens. But you were learning design in ninth grade? Yes. Yeah, so I actually oh, I was I yeah. taught myself design by just literally just Googling articles and downloading free website templates and just kind of tinkering because I've always been a curious child. What I hated more than anything, I think you guys kind of led to that, is structure. That's why I actually never did well in school. I had a 2.9 GPA. Mm -hmm. I got 1,300 of my SATs. And the biggest thing is I never, I hated being told there was only one right path. Mm -hmm. So like in STEM classes, that was my worst subjects. Because they always told us, a teacher would tell us, like, there's one way to do this. There's one way to write this equation. There's one way. There's only one right answer. And I always try to question why. And I always get in trouble (laughs) for questioning why that was. And um, for me, that's why uh, it kind of naturally led me towards just away from STEM and along with other things. But that is when I actually started to, um, you know, tinkering or practice my self-design. And then I started to get jobs by cold calling and cold emailing small businesses around my area. And yeah. I'll tell them, hey, nice. look, my name is Justin. I'm a student here at Macintosh High School. Support your local community. I will literally, you can pay me in $10 or food coupons. I will redesign your website. Um, and you know, and you'll, you'll, you'll see significant gains that way. So I, uh, so that's how I got, I started business. Uh, that's how I started man. like sort of my own freelancing. This business. was in high school. This was in ninth grade. Yeah. So I was, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I very much was not qualified, but I got paid in food coupons. I got $20 for my second website. I, I still remember. And that eventually led me to building my really, I'll be very, pretty shitty design portfolio. <laughs> and then it somehow got me to my first job because I posted it online and the CEO from San Francisco saw my portfolio and said, hey, listen, um, you know, we're a very small company. We have absolutely no money, but we will take you under your wing and we will teach you everything we know. Mm. So that's how I joined as the first designer for that company. And I started working with them my sophomore year of high school and I worked with them for two years. So sophomore mm-hmm. year and junior year, and that's all while balancing school. So I had to work full-time in the Pacific time zone working in Atlanta, Georgia. So I rented a small office. I worked, uh, worked 4 p.m. to midnight every single day. So balancing that along with the social life was very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did that for two years. I also worked for another uh, design agency after that in my senior year. And after that, I had to make a choice. Do I go to college? Go the traditional route that my parents have sort of pushed me towards, especially my mother. My mother was... She dropped out of art school in Korea, so she wanted what's best for me, but also she wanted what she didn't have. Mm, My dad, on the other hand, was an electrical engineer. He was very, very uh, well-known in his field, and he actually encouraged me to not go to college. So it was very, very interesting to see that juxtaposition of what they wanted best for me. But at that time, there were other reasons, along with financial issues for me. But ultimately, I made the leap of faith because I realized that, you know what, I'm just going to do what I think I should do. Mm -hmm um and worst comes to worst if i can't get a job i'll just go back to college mm, so that is it's when always it's
0: there. there college is always there
1: exactly yeah. i just wanted to do my own thing because i realized i will never be happy being in a situation where i feel i'm living with the what if what if i just jump straight in right so i just wanted what's uh, best what i thought was best for me so um i applied to different uh, companies in san francisco graduated and then um, got an interview at dropbox and then that uh, made me move to san francisco
0: Damn. So yep. I, I wonder what that's like because like people struggle to even get interviews, and honestly, it's with the times. Like tech isn't what it is now. Back back in the day, even like five six years ago, and especially with a lot of these budding companies uh, that's coming up without any funding and starting off completely new. Um, there's a lot of leeway there, but I, 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 with that said, I, I think that. <laughs> Even 22-year-olds who graduate from college have difficulties finding jobs and navigating how to draft a resume, how to uh, pitch yourself in an interview, how to be professional, uh, how to market yourself in a way where it's like, I want you guys to hire me, but I also want you guys to know that I'm pretty good talent to be added to your teams and and navigating all that is difficult even post-college. So, Justin, I want to know, like, what what has that experience been like for you to be at a company like Dropbox straight out of high school? Like, could you tell me a little bit about your experiences
1: there? Yeah, I mean, even going towards interviewing for Dropbox, I'm just going to say, like, um, I had to, in a way, mask my age in a lot of sense. and. It was, a, it was a mixture of just being, it really came down to being self-aware about my strengths and also what I needed to develop in mm-hmm. and being very upfront about that. So it's a mixture of co- confidence along with humility, mm. right? Confident that I can contribute to the team. Humility in that I'm still being hired as a junior designer. So telling them that what I want to grow in and how I feel Dropbox really helped me. Mm. So mixing of those two things really helped me get the job at Dropbox. Um, and fortunately, my manager saw a past my age saw past my credentials in, in the academic field and just yeah. saw me straight for who I am as a person and as a designer, yeah. along with my design portfolio. So obviously, and your question was how I sort of, went. yeah, just like
0: yeah, just like let us know what what that experience has been like because I doubt that like even with today's day and age, you know, mm. I've I've heard of a couple of folks who graduated straight out of college right. have gotten into like a VC fund, sure, and, and there's you know high school students that uh, developed their own I guess product mm-hmm. and then came out of high school starting up their own startup which is you know relatively successful but that's like the point zero 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 one percent. Yep. So like with you and with Kevin as well, it's just like both of you guys did something that a lot of people don't do. And and, 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 and statisticians or whoever's out there that's like data related don't uh, you know take my word on this and then just like clown me later. I mean, you, you can clown me, but I think like on the bell curve, sixty-seven percent of the population kind of does like the normal thing, like mm. traditional route, college, maybe mm. like junior college, build a portfolio if you're a product designer, mm. etc. But there's very few people on the outskirts where you've you haven't completed some kind of formal degree, rather associates or or just like a four-year bachelors or mm. you know B.S. or B.A. and gone to work for a professional company right so i think i think it'd be good to just um pick your brain a little bit about what your experiences was like going to a company like dropbox at the age of 18 Mm -hmm. where like people are like oh i got into uc santa barbara right gung-ho i'm great or like ut austin or whatever right but you're like i'm fucking working for dropbox Mm.
2: Like, what are like drop, what's Dropbox exactly <laughs> I mean that's the first question they ask is what is Dropbox that's what is Dropbox? I guess
1: yeah why do, you, why do you guys need designers it's just a mm. tool that syncs my stuff
0: and what is it like working full time as a designer junior right. designer yeah. at the age of 18 would you like go over that a little bit of like just like talk about your experiences what you felt totally what you thought like, pros and cons thought you things that you thought were like hard or out of place and what you kind of have to like grow into right and how you develop yourself as a, as a man um uh, post-high school going yep. into drop-offs?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, there's a lot of pros and cons, a lot that I can think of, right? But, I mean, going into the pros, the biggest thing is just having an income early on, like that gives you a lot of freedom, a lot of flexibility for you to both support your family but also support yourself, especially in a really cool city like San Francisco. So being in a new city, especially as someone's like 18 slash 19 it was really cool because it's kind of just felt like I just I felt the potential for what I can become as a person there. Especially working as a working in a great company like Dropbox, I felt potential to who I to sort of mold who I can become as a person but also as a designer because I was just surrounded by so many amazing people. Yeah. Right. Um, but the other pro obviously is just the freedom to travel as well. So I just got uh, for work purposes. So I work with the team in Tel Aviv, Israel. So I would go to Tel Aviv and by that I would travel to like, you know, Barcelona. Berlin, you know all that stuff. So it was it was it was amazing to be able to travel as part of that because I think being well traveled kind of broadens your perspective beyond just you know what you grew up with. Yeah, um, and you know, obviously, like being back home, like for the holidays, my friends would you know always be jealous of me and be like, "Hey, like I'm, it's really cool they have a full you have a job," um, and that switches really quickly into the cons, in my opinion, which was. Mm. Not going the traditional route sounds great in theory because they would always paint me as like Justin's, you know, they always, thought, they always thought I was successful in that Justin just didn't go to college. He's doing well. He's making good money, make, being happy. And they would always see just that image, that surface level, he seems happy. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I was, for me, work was really, so I always say diversify a source of happiness. And for me, I only had one source of happiness, which was work. Mm. And then for me, I saw what my friends were up to. And in college, especially freshman year of college, that, yes. is, that is the best time. You know, yes. That's when you're meeting new people, going to parties, just experiencing all different things. Yeah. And they would always see me as like, Justin, Justin looks happy. And then I would see me as like, they look happy. You know what I mean? Mm. So you always want what you don't have. But that was a huge con for me for going the way that I did. It's part of me felt, you know what, I'm, I'm confident I made the right decision. I would not succeed in the college um, in, in that setting. However, it couldn't help but wonder if I did go that route, how much of my life would be different, even for the better in terms of the experience in that college life that a lot of people do, right? So that was a huge con for me is I didn't have that traditional life because I would I was forced to grow up almost too quickly. Mm. I was surrounded by people who were way older, thinking about 401k, thinking about oh, sure. all, all, like stocks. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Mm. I, I barely know how to do laundry. Mm. I'm 18, right? So it just... Being, it, I was forced to grow up too quickly. Mm. Sounds great in theory, but in other times, I skipped way too many steps. Mm. And I actually think back to that day, and that's why I'm kind of in Atlanta right now, is after four years, I realized, wait a second, I kind of just sped up way too fast. I skipped so many steps. Let me take a step back and realize what I truly want.
0: Mm.
1: Right? Mm. So that was a huge con for me, just, just skipping way too many steps, thinking that I was trying to sort of get from point A to point B. When in reality, I just wasn't getting there in the right way because yeah. remember like college is for figuring stuff out I the first thing I thought was design and I latched onto that really quickly I didn't explore other options yeah I was mm. going to
2: say like what other options were you open to exploring if
1: any I didn't that is a thing that is why I went through a lot of periods where is this am I doing the right thing why am I here do I want to be a designer right is San Francisco the right place for me so that was that and then a lot of the cons were also ageism and Especially because yeah. I was so young, I didn't go to college. And in general, tech is very accepting compared to other industries, obviously, yes. like, like law, right? But at the same time, there was still ageism in, in, in the company in terms of how they viewed me as a designer. Mm. And what that meant is for me to constantly have this chip on my shoulder, like yeah. I need to prove myself.
0: Yeah.
1: I need to work longer hours. I need to show them that I belong here. It's always good to have that chip in the shoulder, but it also put way too much expectation and pressure on myself mm. to work longer hours, even though I didn't really need to necessarily. Yeah. So I would work 80 hours a week. I would put in so many hours. I would try to climb this corporate ladder that I really, in, in hindsight, didn't really matter. Mm. I try to go for that promotion to show people, hey, I'm X years old. I'm level X at this company. I want to be taken seriously. Yeah. But now I'm looking back. Now I'm, I, I realize how little substance that actually has. In your overall happiness, yeah. So, I I think I just, yeah, it. You know, there's so many pros and cons for so many different directions you can take. Were you doing
2: it for your happiness, or were you doing it for your career? You know, to climb that social ladder.
1: Totally, for me, back then, those were those went hand in hand. It Mm -hmm. overlapped. My uh, climbing that corporate ladder equaled happiness for me because, like I said, I only had one source of happiness. I was here in San Francisco to do my job, become successful as a designer it wasn't really about monetary, like, I want to make this much money, I wanted prestige, I wanted to be a well-known designer who was respected, because I had this chip on my shoulder of, Mm -hmm. I want to be this designer who,
2: you're the underdog,
1: exactly, I had that underdog mentality, which sounds great, but it really, at the end of the day, it just sucked, I, because I was trying to sort of achieve prestige at a professional level, I was sacrificing all the other aspects, in a personal life at when a very it comes young to, age exactly mm. and then along top of that I have FOMO with all my friends posting Instagram stories of all of them having fun at the parties and I thought to myself I'm just here working
0: mm.
1: my friends are having fun granted they're not showing the other sides of working hard for exams but I saw all the parties and I just keep having those thoughts of am I doing the right thing why am I doing this you know mm. so yeah damn that's
0: so good but well, I, I just want to say that like it's so encouraging to hear a different side of what a uh, traditionalist will be talking about. So I'm guessing like your friends, I mean, no offense, there's tons of them, but I think it's like really very unique to hear kind of your perspective of what you've been through. And I think this is like the first time I've actually heard it. And, and thank you so much for having the courage to like really open up. Yeah. And I think that, you know... You know, I think I'm just gonna have a separate uh, podcast session with you,
2: uh,
0: Justin, if you're open to it. Sure, and sure, down, sure. I'm down to work for East Coast hours because I, you know I have clients on the East Coast already as well. Totally. Uh, but like moving forward, Kev, yep. Justin, if you guys are okay mm-hmm. with this, is like we've gone deeper. So it became about work, where we're from, how we got to where we're at. But now it's a little bit more about like. You know, for example, for you, Justin, it's like, shit, like, I'm doing well to do for myself on paper, but I had to grow up hella quick at the age of 18 and do all of these things, and you're in the social wave with, like, your hometown friends and the friends that you grew up with in your circle, so there's, like, a, a sense of, like you're not belonging with your friends, but you also have this like unique sense of loneliness of like, you're going through your thing, you're experiencing this, and yeah, going to Tel Aviv, cool. Barcelona, cool. Making a good income while your friends are like probably taking out loans to go to school. That's all cool on paper, but internally, you know, we we talk about the importance of self-awareness and self-actualization, just like the thought of like going through this alone without another person. Right. as going through exactly what you're going through. And Kev, I, I think the same thing for you too as well when you're coming out from Ohio, moving to San Francisco, doing what you had to do to make ends meet and also pursue excellence in design. I feel like both of you guys felt like alone in a sense of going through your own thing. And obviously it's just like everyone's like thinking, oh, that's a wash. Like everyone, everyone's unique. Everyone has their own personalities or whatever. But you know, in the light of that, of like feeling alone, I think what really helps is for us as Christians, and even maybe with nominal Christians, of the fact that like we're not alone. We have God. We have this whole religion thing that kind of like keeps our moral compass facing true north, if that makes sense. Or at least we have some semblance of a buoy that's out there in the deep sea of like we're doing our thing. None of us know what the fuck is going on. We're trying our best to do what we think is best for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it works out for your favor, like it did with you and Justin. Sometimes for a lot of other folks, it doesn't. But in this like vast sea of trying to figure out where we need to set sail, sometimes like looking towards God and religion can be a negative thing, but a lot of times it's a, it's a positive thing. And and I think the the the, the meat of our conversation today that I want to get into is also, it's connected to what both of you guys just talked about, which is like fakeness in the Christian community. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is like not calling out certain church groups or communities and saying that's fake. But I feel like there's like a subculture in American society uh, where people go to church certain cultural phenomenons occur you know um, and we're in this certain pocket and and from there there's like several other subcultures so I know I'm like being too theoretical and hypothetical but I think you guys understand of like oh hey I grew up in a Christian family or I didn't grow up in a Christian family I go to church and I experience people with you know the same mindset and maybe the same age demographic and there's like this whole god thing and a pastor and you guys do retreats over summer and you get pigeonholed in a way where it's like oh i have to be like these people to fit in or i have all these sins and flaws that i don't feel like it could reveal and you know for me personally coming from like a korean-american background talking about your faults and what's going wrong in your family and talking about like what's going wrong in your life or mentioning any uncertainties or talking about things like porn and like sex for guys or for like, you know, girls, there might be different things, but us in particular, things that are taboo, we can't really reveal it in church. And a lot of the times we feel like we're fucking up because we see so many people reading the Bible, you know, being part of worship team and, that, and that's not like, You know, I'm not trying to like troll you, Kev. Like, you're amazing on the worship team, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? It's like you guys are made to be molded into a specific type of persona, a a specific type of person when you enter church, and I feel like it could go both ways. Having discipline and structure is good, Mm -hmm. but also I think that it creates an unnatural uh, uh, level of structure that can hinder what God is trying to do with especially the younger generations in church Yeah. so just opening up you know that kind of worms for you guys
2: yeah I, I think like because I've served in a church for a long time like since middle school I started and um, I wouldn't say like at 99 like it's not like like our pastors are trying to mold us to be like this perfect like leader if you're serving on a worship team or if you're serving on coffee bar um like they understand that we are human beings and we we come to church with our faults and so i think like especially at 99 we've done a good job culturally with our leadership team to just um instill like the fact that we are just we're just people here that love god love this community yeah cheers to 99
0: Cheers! Cheers. (laughs)
2: Mm. Like we love this community. We love what we're all here for. Like the same reason, which is to find God, um, to seek His face, and to to just continue to grow with Him in our personal lives together. Right. So the whole idea of like molding, I do think that occurs in the American Christian community in churches, where like you're a leader. This is what how you should behave. This is how you should pray for people. This is how you should serve and when you should show up. Uh, and it gets really routine and strict. And when you do mess up, like the repercussions, they hit you pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's sometimes the church can be unforgiving to to others. Like, you when you do mess up, you get condemned. Other people judge you. Um, You might lose some friends. And I think that's just really sad because there's no way around the fact of us screwing up. Like, it's going to happen. It's just how we handle the situation moving forward. Right. We have to be really tender and cautious with that. Like, because we're human beings and um, we're bound to screw up at some point. That's good. But I think serving at church has been good. There have, of course, there have been moments where, like, I don't want to curse um i don't want to like because like my thing is i'm trying to also be mindful of newcomers coming in yeah um or just the congregation in general it's like i don't want them they may not know who i am right and if they overhear a conversation i'm having i'm just like shooting the shit and just talking with my best friends and i say i drop like the f word or something right like out of context they're gonna like discredit me you know right like I'm going to be judged, and they're, they're going to, like, that might affect the church, is what I'm saying. And so I think there is this, this fine balance where if you're a leader serving in church, you also need to be mindful of your actions, of course. Um, and thank you. And you also need to um, just know how to be mindful of others and your surroundings and, and play to those to those strengths and those cards times um but it, it it's it's not easy you know being a leader because you get a lot of eyes on you um every weekend and <laughs> you're just kind of like always like in the spotlight like if, mm. if mickey was to ever drop the f-bomb like how are people going to react to that oh, man i and, dropped and the would f-bomb. that matter? <laughs> i'm glad i'm not a pastor you're, you're not a leader, leader then, <laughs> then. <laughs> <laughs> right you know like right. because here's my thing with like Cursing, it, it's just like when I swear, it's it's just a reflection of like what's in my heart and how I'm feeling about a certain thing. Right. Right. I'm not trying to do it to um, just say because I think it's cool. Like that's that's really dumb. Yeah. I'm saying it because like it means that strongly to me. Right. You know? Right. Like it's painful or like it, it really hurts, and I have to convey that with some other type of curse word. So. Um, like, man, like, I don't judge people for it. I, I used to be that way, where I would hear, like, folks with really vulgar language in church, and I'm like, bro, are you even following Christ? <laughs> you know? And it's like, I catch myself doing that, so I know others are too. Um, so again, it's just being mindful. But if you really do have, like, a relationship with Jesus, and you do believe in him, um, I think ultimately, man, that's, that's really the bread and butter of the Christian walk, is that, that component of relationship between you and Christ. Mm. And only you know what that is, you know, day in and day out. When you show up to church, everyone's going to throw on a mask. So it's only natural to do so. Mm. But I, again, it's just such a messy topic of conversation because let's say we all threw off our masks and we all just came in like raw AF, right? Yeah dude like how how do you manage how do you navigate how do you weave through people's lives and how do you like reach out to them mm. but you know as I'm, as i'm asking myself that now it's like less of me and like more of you god like god if we came in raw to the to church every sunday then we can't navigate this you have to navigate this mm. you have to take control you have to lead you have to work through us mm. because if we try to manage this right, it's going to get really messy. Mm. And I think the church is supposed to be messy. Yeah. <laughs> we are all broken people. So mm. um, we do try to, like, in SF, we kind of adopt, like, this tech-like culture and mindset of, like, running churches like startups in a way. Progressive. We, yeah. yeah, we're super optimized, <laughs> right? It's great. Um, but at the same time, it can also just be, we might leave a lot of folks out, and it might push people away
0: great point and and with that i think there's a lot of pointers that you meant uh that you said there um kev that's very relevant uh in today's society and how you mentioned that like san francisco and 99 is very progressive we're very forward we're very accepting i think that's the theme of 99 uh you know the parable of the shepherd leaving the 99 to find the one because that's who truly really matters? I mean, the ninety-nine matters, but you're going out for the people, skirting on the sidelines mm-hmm. and bringing back, bringing them back into the fold. Um, so, with that said, I'm, I'm sure the listeners got a lot of uh, gold out of what you just said, Kevin, and, and thank you so much for that. Um, but you know, I would also like to hear from uh, Justin too as well. I mean, you've had unique experiences in your personal life and your pers- professional life. And a lot of times you were lonely and you felt like you were kind of like on the outside looking in. I mean, is that safe to say or am I? Yes, that's very correct. Yes. Cool. And then, you know, your parents are, were also in the church community, correct? Yes. Growing up? Yep. Justin, and then um, you went through that, you were jaded like a lot of folks. um, But then you tried coming back to the church and to God. And then now there's a lot of things going on. Uh, they're currently in your life so Justin, whatever you feel comfortable in talking about you know i'm thinking that like your perspective on all this in its raw and truest form is is good because if you have a lot of people your age and older are probably going through what you're going through but i think your perspect, your unique perspective would be good to hear
1: and and know about as well so uh yeah go off man do your thing Yeah, it might potentially be a tangent, but I'm going to try to make it as structured as possible. So, um, all right. So obviously, um, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and especially being a Korean American in Dallas, Texas, church is everything, especially for our parents. They meet everyone. That is church was the place for you to meet new people, especially for older Korean um, um, parents. So I was sort of forced into church in a way when I was a kid. And my mother being such a devout Christian, and actually, ironically, my dad was a devout atheist, <laughs> but he sort of just kind of came, uh, along with my mother, sort of just being open-minded as an atheist, uh, about, about God and learning more about God and learning more about more different religions. So that was cool. But I, I think just, I was sort of brought into Christian household instead of sort of believing in it first organically to begin with, if that makes sense. Sure. And, uh, You know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I went to church for about a year, and I was actually turned away from Christianity because of this specific church that I went to in Dallas. I just saw so much hypocrisy and so much sin, especially even among the people who were running the church. So a really good example is I still remember the pastor at this church, which was actually one of the biggest Korean churches in Dallas, Texas. He scammed a lot of the churchgoers through trying to get them to invest in his business. And he ran away with a lot of the money. And I just saw a lot of hypocrisy displayed in that church setting. And let me preface by saying this is just one instance, right? Mm-hmm. And another instance being I went to you know, a youth group, and I saw you know, these kids my age, 12, 13, 14, who are so devout. They were crying during worship. They were crying during Bible study, being so devout on Sundays only. And then from Monday to Saturday, they were snorting cocaine, they were drinking, they were committing sins of all different levels. And I just witnessed that from both the adults and kids my age, and I realized how fake this was. I was so jaded with Christianity. I was so jaded with how they were so, they were portraying how innocent and wholesome they were from one or two hours a day on Sunday, mm-hmm. and then just go back to being their regular selves. That's so good. Mm-hmm. And... By witnessing that, along with seeing, I'm gonna be honest, as long as as much as I love my mom, she would always preach how much of a you know devout Christian she was and how much she cared about the community, but I also see her being openly homophobic, openly uh racist as well. And just kind of seeing this among the Christian community, I I was so jaded to the point that I turned away Christianity for the longest time. And along with obviously being Dallas being a little bit more traditional in terms of that setting, right? Um, but then some events happened in my in my life where you know my brother my oldest brother actually um, he went through some really rough times to the point he almost committed suicide Mm. due to Mm. a lot of the troubles being so he was he was a dental he was a he just graduated from University of Georgia he wanted to be a dentist and he developed he he just essentially um, dedicated his entire life to become a dentist yeah and for three years he couldn't get into the dream he couldn't get into dental school even though he saw everyone around him getting accepted mm-hmm. along with him sort of being heartbroken by his ex a lot of these things he felt alone like more than ever yeah. and I felt I was the only person he can talk to because his, our parents wouldn't listen to him right, in that right, way right, 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 right. and I saw him going through such a rough time along with my mother sort of sort of getting, uh, getting cancer again so a lot of these different things were happening in my life mm-hmm. but one day literally one day my brother called me the morning and said he got into the uh, dental school he always wanted to get and that same week, I got a call that my mom was finally out of remission, all these things. So there was a freak week that happened where it was actually, I prayed. So I'm skipping a little bit steps here. But my brother actually called me one day to tell me how he's, he might end his life because he just can't take it anymore. And I remember being out and how scared I was for him. And I was calling my parents, telling him to do you know where my brother is? And they couldn't find him. And there was, I remember how I felt, and I actually turned to God at that moment again. And I haven't turned to God at that time. I was about 21, 22 at that time. I haven't turned to God ever in my entire life. And when I prayed, I usually prayed for myself at the beginning because I wasn't a true Christian. I, turn, I turned and I prayed usually about very material things. Hey, God, can you please help me get an A in this quiz? Very material things. Mm. But for the first time ever, I actually prayed about someone that's not myself. I prayed about someone, my brother, and I prayed, please... My brother really needs help right now. And he was a Christian as well at that time. And I actually remember, it sounds so selfish, but I prayed about someone that's not myself. It, it, it sounds so weird when I say it like that, but I remember how genuine I felt. And I said, if you are out there, I don't know if you are. Mm-hmm. I, wasn't, I wasn't a Christian at this time. Yeah. I don't know if you're out there, but if you are, please give me a sign. Because there's only one person who needs help in my family. I mean, there's a person who needs help right now, and it's not me. I don't deserve this, but do it for my brother. Because mm-hmm. he has done nothing wrong. Yeah. And that is when literally the next day he called me and said he got in to the dental school he always wanted to get into. Wow, wow. And then that same week, my, uh, my mom called me as well. And I took that as a sign and I um, sort of took this as an opportunity. And I know Jay Jay Lee, who is an avid member of the 99 committee and also he's my co-worker. I went to him and he introduced me to 99. Hmm. And... Uh, Being very used to this very traditional church setting, I was very delighted to sort of see this very progressive church like 99. You know, there's all millennials. I'm going to be honest. I've never seen churchgoers, you know, um, know, beneath the age of 50, essentially. Right. And uh, it was great because I just saw I loved how progressive this church was. And I thought this is the perfect place for me. And I started going to church every Sunday. I joined the CG. Things were great but the problem for me was this internal struggle of how I felt I was different compared to everyone else. I remember listening to Pastor Mickey. I remember listening to people at my CG. I remember sort of listening to the sermon and I couldn't help but feel just how intimidated I was and how it made me feel to be quite frankly like a piece of shit. Mm. Because I realized a stark contrast of how the model Christian was living their lives, like you guys. And this is my own interpretation. I saw how perfect you guys were. I saw how you guys were living your lives. I saw the mentality. I saw how God was part. I I, I saw how Christ-like you guys were being. And then I reflected on how I was living my life, and I realized the stark contrast. And obviously, one mentality is to better myself by being part of the community. You know what I mean? But at that time, I took the opposite turn, which was, I don't belong here. Mm. And it's not because I don't belong here like you guys were ostracizing me. That is not the case. Everyone in 99 were so supportive. But at that time, I turned away because I was scared because I felt I didn't belong mm. with the people here. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's fake at all. I, I, that, that, the, I know the theme of, of is fakeness in church, but that is not what I was trying to say. It's more so I felt I was trying to be fake. Mm. It, you guys weren't being fake. I was being fake. Oh, were we? <laughs> I mean, hopefully not. No, I'm no like, but that's the thing, so right? A the Maybe, potentially that could be the case because I saw right? how perfect you guys were. Maybe you guys are not perfect. Maybe you guys are low key kind of bad. <laughs> no, that's not the case, no dude. One's no one's perfect, yeah. right,
0: Justin? No one's perfect.
1: But in the in the topic of fakeness, I thought I was fake because I was putting on this sort of facade, this persona, this reformed Christian Justin. I am mm. very like I I I'm ready to take the, take on this message, and I was. But then I realized that based on how, like, actions speak louder than words, I took on these words and I thought I can be this, but I was doing completely opposite of what the God wanted me to do.
0: It's it's kind of like, sorry to cut you off just a minute. No, it's kind of course. like it came full circle of, like, you were jaded. You didn't want to be that same person that you saw was a source of your jadedness. Yes. Does that make sense? Sure. So yes. like you saw all these people... Adults and kids alike, you know, crying out for the Lord. And on paper, they seem like they were doing everything right to curry God's favor on Sundays. And then on the weekends or, or weekdays, you see them doing, you know, cocaine for the younger kids and like doing all sorts of terrible, degenerate things. And then for the adults, you've seen a lot of, especially with like leadership, people using. God and the platform that they had to to essentially manipulate people. I mean, there's not a better way to say this. Um, And and you realized, hey, I feel like I'm ready. There was breakthrough. You know, there you felt like there was like this supernatural thing, especially with your brother. You know, praying about him uh, for the first time in a sense, like you're praying for someone other than yourself. And suddenly, your brother calls you the day after, and you decide to. You know, use that moment as a window of opportunity for you to come back to God, to church, uh, to mingle, to join fellowship, uh, be part of a community group or CG. And then you realize you didn't want to be that same monster that dissuaded you from being part of the church. And, and uh, you know, I mean, currently you you decided... Not to 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 do, you know. There's that whole thing of like saying that like you're the protagonist, you're the hero. Until the story drags long enough, where you will eventually become the villain, Hmm. right? And I think that that that's the narrative for a lot of people who are conscientious of like their actions, who are self aware. um But I think that's a question that goes out to both of you guys of like, what if? Instead, you decide to stick through it. Like, like you you were you thinking, holy shit, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. A lot of these people, or at least on the surface, as you mentioned, live a pretty decent life. They're progressing towards someone who should live like Jesus. You know, you're coming to church every Sundays. You know, the things that are being manifested from your mouth and your actions are are good in the light of God. Um, And and you're like, I can't be this. I am not this. And and I would be a terrible person for me to stick this through. Um, So in that vein, in that same vein, I'm wondering what it would have been like on the theme of fakeness in Christianity for you as a real person. Instead of being like all these other people who do one thing on Sundays for two hours and do something else, there's actually a person that thinks about their actions and say, I am doing nothing or, how should I put it, the things that I should be doing, the things that I think all of these folks and I are, are doing, I'm not doing any of that. And I've realized that. And I'm not going to sugarcoat any of this. Right. I'm so, I'm so turned off by who I am that I can't bear to stay here. And, and, and be part of this community because it's like, I'm doing things that are, you know, essentially completely opposite of what these folks are doing and therefore I must leave. But I guess the question I have for you guys is, you you guys are the exact person, the individual that needs to be in church, right? Because you guys are the antithesis of what the other like majority of kids are doing. They feel no shame in acting a certain way on Sundays. And then being someone completely different from Monday to Saturday. So in my train of thought, I'm thinking, well, what if you have folks that were in the trenches, that like went through church on Sundays and realized, dude, I'm a piece of shit. I'm not going to lie. And it's tough for me to be here because I realize I don't live this life. Right. And you're actually in tune with the reality of your actions. Right. And how you live from Monday to Saturday. What if we had more people like that at church Instead of these delusional folks that fake it till you make it. Mm. They probably don't even make it. Mm. But they fake it on Sundays, act completely different from Monday to Saturday. Which might be fine if you're truly repenting, you're truly being considerate, and you're truly understanding the repercussions of your actions and relating to what the pastor is preaching about on Sundays. What if we actually have those folks actually stick it out with the church? So the majority of people that came on Sundays were folks that knew the gravity of their actions and actually repented instead of having the majority of those folks on Sundays being folks who didn't mind at all coming on Sundays, doing what they did, and doing something completely opposite to what God's teachings were Monday to Saturday. So TLDR version is like, what if there were more Justin Quads? And Kevin Libertinos in church that battled through this every day that combated with their morality instead of coming on Sundays doing their thing and turning a blind eye. I personally feel like that's a better core group of people that will help grow the church for what it actually is than having these fakers coming to church on Sundays, right? So, I, so, 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 TLDR is like, I'm saying everyone sins. No one's perfect. Mm-hmm. We all fail. But, what, what, you know, I, I think it would have been different in culturally in the church setting today where people came out with it or had thoughts like yours, Justin, where it's just like, I don't deserve to be here. Like, I feel remorse instead of having people who are completely blind to it or completely desensitized to it, where... They'll play the part on Sundays, right. and not go as deep, right, and act completely different Monday to Saturdays. I think if we had more Justins and more Kevin's in the church, right, then essentially we wouldn't even be having discussions about fake Christianity now. So I don't know what you guys talk I, about that.
1: I, I completely agree. Um, I'm not saying so. I mean, for me personally, again, like I just felt so out of place. But at the same time, there's nothing you guys have done, right? Any anyone in '99 has done, yeah. but. For me, it was just from my perspective. I felt, just, to be honest, how perfect you guys were. And back then, I didn't on say, paper, right? On Sunday, and, and, and I, I, I didn't. I honestly didn't see. It as like you guys are fake, not at all. I thought you guys were genuine. You guys are so perfect. We are. I mean, we're genuine, right? But we're not perfect. But I didn't find someone that I can relate to to be like, you know what? Well, there's someone who's reforming as a Christian as me. I felt you guys were. If, if we look at us like a like a finish like a like a race, right? I was so at the beginning and I was alone here at the, at, at the start line. And I thought, I right, and I was alone there but everyone was already at the finish line already mm. there. They're already just done with the race. They're all waiting for me to catch up. But I'm still very slowly and not even sure if I should be in this race. Mm. I'm so at the beginning. I just started. I'm moving so slowly. I'm basically crippled at this point. I'm crawling, right, to use that analogy. And I just felt so alone. But if we encourage Sort of this, sort of this. If we sort of groom this culture of saying no one's per, no one's perfect, sure that makes sense. But even going a step further than that, we're all a piece of shit. And then not like that, but like encouraging everyone to share yeah. their sins. Maybe that could encourage people like me who are trying to reform as Christians. Because in order for me to, in order for someone to truly reform, you need to not have just the discipline to carry it through. You need to have this sort of reason to want to become Christlike. And that part is what's missing among a lot of the atheists Or even people like me Who do identify as a Christian But having a hard time at the moment I'm having a hard time trying to understand Why I should be Christ-like That sounds so bad to say But it is very true I'm having a hard time understanding Why I should live that life The why How makes sense Why Is still unclear to me personally That is the part that kind of drew me away I think Mm. When I felt alone, when I felt that I couldn't relate, when I felt there was one way to live life, and I'm living this way. Again, one way is to say, you know what? I want to become like you guys, because you guys are obviously living such a like you know it's such a it's just a lot more of an inherently good way good way to live a life. But part of me, the back of my head, that inside voice was saying, but why? Justin, you uh, You you missed out on so much. I have FOMO. I didn't go to college. I didn't I skipped that exploration phase. I just went straight to a solution. I'm going to be I'm going to be a designer. I'm gonna skip college. People around me, my peers were exploring their options. I skipped that exploration phase. So my personally, my part of me is saying, Justin, just explore. Mm. Go commit sins. Just just explore. Live just life. experiment. Yeah. And then you and then when you when you're past that phase. You can go back to being go back to going to church when you're 30, when you're happily in the, suburb, in the suburbs, right? Why do this now? Yeah, that's been the hardest part for me. Have you read right Start with Why by Simon Sinek? I have not, but I know Simon Sinek. Is, you know, yeah, yeah. Him.
0: Not saying that like that book is the answer to everything.
1: No, but yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But I think the book essentially what it what it states is like you have to start with the why first. Yeah. And then you go with the what or sorry why and then the how Mm. how are you going to do it and then what it is right Mm. so for like apple for example they started with the why right steve jobs the whole lot of them and it's not like oh the macbook has faster computing speed it has more processor power or it's more sleek that's like the what Right, and then it starts with the why. What are they trying to do? They're trying to develop something that transcends what the personal computer was for the everyman, and make it sexy, and then have it be accessible for everyone. And, and during that period of time, that was transcendent. So that was a why. It's like I want people to have an easy-to-use laptop or PC that was sexy. That's accessible and that people could afford, right? The mission, the dream, the why was like, I want the journeyman in the United States to be able to buy this product, and 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 use it and think this is Apple, right? It wasn't like the nitty gritty of like, oh, it has like this feature, X feature, Y feature. There was a why that came before how they did it, you know, how are we going to set up an LLC, how are we going to fund this entire project, you know, what's going to be the market differentiator for our product compared to, you know, IBM right. or or Dell. And I think all of this is to say is just like, I think that like there's so many people who are matured at 99 in their walks and they found their why. There was just a disconnect because you've seen the how and the what, Right. It's like, how are we going to become better Christians? What are we going to do in our lives? Whether it's like Bible study. Right. Or devotionals. But then you're just like, fuck, I'm just trying to figure out the root cause of all of this. Yes. You're trying to figure out the why.
1: And if you don't figure out the why, the what and the how are r- irrelevant. I, I think that's precisely right into what happened for me. I skipped that why and went straight into the what and the how. And I vividly remember the exercise that we did in one of the cgs actually that was the one that we were in together mm-hmm. which was how i remember we we're creating like a like a schedule for like every day we're going to do things a certain way the rules of life exactly yeah and i remember writing this down everyone's writing this down and we're being very methodical about what we're writing down how we're going to be different how we're going to be christ-like i was writing stuff down without understanding why and i i, I think i never comprehended that I wrote things down because I thought that was the right thing to do. I was just blindly sort of going in. Like, this is what I should do. Yeah. But I didn't internalize the why. And I didn't believe in it. Not believe in it in terms of I rejected yeah. it. Yeah. I didn't yeah. define it. Sure. And I didn't internalize that and manifest that into all my actions. I just went, sh- I skipped step one. I went straight to step two and three. That was a problem for me, I think. Yeah. Mm.
0: Damn. So I think, I think, I mean, Kevin, you could probably, I mean, we'll we'll spend probably like five, 10 more minutes before we we end the session. But I think that's where we fail as a church. You know, we we think that we're bringing in the one. And obviously, I think Mickey's Church Plant 99 is like a startup, right? Mm -hmm. But what we're not looking for isn't to IPO or get acquired. We're not looking for valuation. We're not looking for ARR. What we're looking to bring in is like others into the fold who are kind of like in like justice phase. Bring them into the fold and have them understand the why, and then build up the how, and then the what. But a lot of the times, it's very hard to set up like a nonprofit, like a 501c3 or 501c6, with religion, and kind of like create this workflow. Where we can churn out great Christians who are lost and now they're found, and they go through this process of, oh, I found the why at ninety nine, and then they're helping me out with the how and the what. There's always going to be lost sheep that come to our church, don't fit in, or they feel like they're like way behind on the race and leave. Mm-hmm. So I do think it is the balls on our court that like I. It's not that Justin failed himself; like we. And not Mickey or 99, but we as a church, the body of the church, has failed to explain the why and to, to get Justin's uh, buy in of like starting with the why.
2: Yeah.
0: And I think that is very hard. And I'm not saying it's an easy thing. Mm. And I'm not saying that like we were lazy or we were blindsided right. or we didn't know what the hell was going on. It's extremely hard to hard. get people convinced on the why and to facilitate and drive this process of the tribe coming together and bringing in lost sheep into the fold and growing them as as mature christians but i do think at the end of the day the ball's on our court
2: it is yeah yeah i think like just to go top of mind i'm asking us why did we fail like how did we fail and a part of it i think is our infancy as a church you know just being so new and we're pushing to develop the relationships and to build the community where we can accommodate like new folks like Justin walking into our church for the first time um, in a CG setting. So I think right like the hub is we all come together on Sunday morning, we do worship sermon and prayer and then we break off for lunch but that's like a very short amount of time to get to know somebody and It's very low that a low chance that you'll get someone to open up, right? For Justin to have the ability to share what he just shared in the last forty-five minutes, Um, I don't know how you would feel about sharing that over lunch, you know, at a new church. Some folks might be that open, but not everyone is like that, right? So I think then we we look towards community groups and we say, okay, here is where we're going to focus for those conversations to occur. But then again, it's like, again, it's like people go at their own pace and they may not be feeling comfortable enough to go that deep. And that takes time. So I think too, is like how can we emphasize, focus more on community groups where we go beyond community groups? And I think that's where Mickey wants us to to go in the visionary state is like, okay, we we come together on Sundays, we congregate in CGs and we build fellowship and then hopefully like our members come alongside each other to support each other um, outside of the context of church and CGs. But here's the thing we it's a lot it's a big ask, right? It's a big ask and we don't have like officiated leadership folks to, to do that. Um, it's really just on a volunteer basis. There is. You know?
0: Well there is Kev. Okay. You think
2: there
0: is CG leaders.
2: CG leaders.
0: And I'm I'm a CG leader. This is my second no third season, and I think it is a big ask. It is because we're we're like volunteers that just like somehow ended up here, right? And like our job isn't to convert people like Justin, it's just to facilitate. I mean, the whole leadership aspect of CG exactly. leader, you're not really a leader. What you're doing is you're facilitating. An environment where people can grow organically. Sure. Right? So so CG was supposed to do that. I completely agree with you. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. The officiating part is difficult. But I think that's where like CG leaders really need to step up and kind of like go outside of the sandbox that Mickey created for us. I mean it's not even like he created anything for us. The reason why I like Mickey is kind of the same reasons that you and and Justin you mentioned was like he is an open sandbox. He's He's like Minecraft, right? You can develop whatever you want as long as it's theologically sound. And even if it's not theologically sound, then Mickey is willing to enthuse the idea as long as it's infused with the major plan, which is bringing the one back with the 99, right? And I think, sorry to cut you off, Kev, but I think that's what I've been working on as a CG leader this season is not just... Um. going with the flow every other Thursdays we're going to have CG we're mm. going to go through this itinerary
2: You show up do it check out talk about book. stuff yeah yeah, yeah. You do your part but to go above and beyond like I'm even radical change yeah I'm, yes. not, I'm not leading a CG but like I have a few folks in my CG that I know like hey I could definitely reach out to them And just check in and be like, hey, man, how's how's your week going? You know, to some, that's a big ask. For me right now, that's a big ask. But when I hear Justin share about, because I was in CG with you during that time. Yep. Man, I wish I had known what you were experiencing, what you were thinking. So I could have just, I wish I could have, like, accommodated you, man. And just, like, got dinner with you and just got to know you a bit more.
0: CG members. (laughs) cg leaders and i need to get better at this as a cg leader myself this season capacity is hard we're all working we all have our personal problems we all have our nuclear family issues but i think that like i'm saying this for people like justin you know it's like everyone needs to step up and it doesn't mean spending an extra 10 hours falling out with this person. what it means is just like not going with the flow and I think that's important Mm.
2: going beyond the flow Mm. that's what it is
0: any last thoughts?
2: are we still on? are still recording? yes oh for sure um no I, I think I was just ending with going beyond you know the flow going beyond what's expected um whatever that looks like like think about if you're in a CG community groups um fellowship like if you have folks in mind that you know like they're going through things or you just want to like check in on them um and, or even if you have no idea you know it'd just be good to just check in on folks and just ask them how they're doing um how you could pray for them and i know it's super generic but like i think that's the right thing to do cool. yeah go for it
0: just if there's one thing a cg leader could have done To, like, kind of have you open up a little bit more and not have you feel siloed in the way that you felt, you know, in this quote unquote race, where you felt like you're, you know, a bit behind um, and you felt alone. What do you think is like one practical way that a CG leader would have been able to make you feel differently than what you felt in the past seasons?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think one, like we talked about, is just getting newcomers to really sort of define the why you're at church and what, you're going to, what you want to get out of and making sure and keeping them accountable as well so they can sort of fulfill the reason why they came to church in the first place. I, didn't, I have some reasons why I came to church, but I didn't define the why. And I came and that is why I eventually fell out because I started to lose even more of a sense of why I was doing this in the first place. Mm. So making sort of, um, I, I would hate to use this tech term, but like almost making a roadmap for them. Mm. Not keeping them accountable because that is not your job as a man. You're not a manager in this sense. You're, you you're, you want to define enough structure so that they have enough guidance for what success, quote unquote, looks like. Mm. But keeping them, so get, painting more of a picture of what a success, again, quote unquote, looks like in a church setting and making sure they are going towards the right track instead of treating them as just like oh you're a regular member you're already you know you're already probably a christian you're probably close to the finish line you're just like the rest of us you already sort of have this established faith and and you know you're just kind of going with the flow yeah right cuz i felt that that is where everyone was and that's and i was just really far behind and i felt so far behind that it's not even worth trying to catch up it was just worth me just kind of kind of just kind of coming out of the race so making sure there's a clear path for them to like finish the race, essentially, that'll be amazing.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I think that you know this turned out to be something completely different than what <laughs> I originally thought it would be, <laughs> but in the best ways possible. Mm, and, I, and, and I think that it's good to hear from both of you guys, um, Kevin. Before you leave for Ohio, thank you so much for coming back on, and we hope to have you on. Uh, later but as a seasoned vet and someone who's serviced the church of 99 and soda previously it's so good to always capture in, your insight and as well as for you for you justin for coming on for the first time right uh, and hopefully we could have a separate individual podcast session but thank you so much for your insights as well and with that saints for tuning out on another episode Hey Saints, thanks for tuning in. We'll be releasing episodes on the first three Saturdays of every month. See you soon.